0: I'm Sadie Eck,
1: And I'm Courtney Eck,
0: And we are here to talk
1: to you guys today about some murder. We sure, excuse me, that my 400-year-old future self joined the group (laughs) all of a sudden.
0: We are going to talk to you about murder today. I was just telling Courtney that I opened my computer to start recording and came up with the empty document with the next case I'm going to cover, and I was like, oh, no, I forgot. But luckily, it's Courtney's night.
1: (laughs) We should not forget anything. <laughs> w- waking stress dream. That's the stage of COVID lockdown we're in. Waking stress mm-hmm. dreams. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we slash, spell. <laughs> slash hallucinations. <laughs> That's right. But anyway, one should get right to it. I will get right down down to it. Tonight, we're going to talk about two murders. I started with the murder of Carol Jenkins, and that led me to the murder of Madge Olberhertzer. Mm. So... It's a two-for-one, you guys, and get ready to be bummed out because they are big-time bummers. Also, just to add to the pile of bummer that I'm about to bring you, uh, a big-time trigger warning for rape and violence against women.
0: Mm.
1: So this one uh, has been on my list to do for a really long time, but I've been procrastinating it because it's a big bummer, but also because Carol Jenkins is a very notorious case where Sadie and I grew up, Everybody who lived where we grew up knows about it and it's really fucking sad. So I was <laughs> just like it's it hits really close to home and it sucks. So here you go guys. <laughs> so Carol Jenkins was born in Franklin, Indiana in 1947. Her mother Elizabeth divorced her father when Carol was very young and remarried Paul Davis who raised her. As it turns out, a couple of decades later, Sadie and I actually knew Paul, her father, because we ended up attending his church. Mm -hmm. So Paul and Elizabeth had five more children over the years, and they all looked up to Carol as their older sister. While she always had dreams of moving to Chicago to become a model, sensible Carol instead took a job at the Ford Motor Company in 1965 after graduating high school. And she worked there for several years before they temporarily shut down due to a union strike.
0: Where was the Ford?
1: I think it was in Rushville. Don't oh, quote me yeah. on that, but it was definitely in in the in that area. Okay, yeah. She grew up in Rushville, Indiana, yeah. So I know it was close by. I don't yeah, I don't remember there being any kind of Ford mm-hmm. Motor Company, but yeah. we were born a decade later. Right. So looking to make a little extra money during the shutdown, Carol took a job as a door-to-door encyclopedia salesman. Carol's first day of work was September 16th, 1968, and hoping to win the good graces of her employer, she agreed to travel to Martinsville, Indiana, which was a town many avoided due to its status as a sundown town. Quote, sundown towns were deeply segregated and extremely unsafe for African-Americans to travel through Being stranded in one of these towns after dark opened the door for African-Americans to be subjected to harassment, extreme acts of violence, and even lynching. And just for a point of reference, Martinsville is two towns over from where Sadie and I grew up. Mm -hmm. Fun. So before we go into Carol's ill-fated trip to Martinsville to innocently sell encyclopedias, I want to give you a little bit of a history of racism in our dear home state of Indiana. So in high school, I did a civics project on hate groups because I'm just that fucking lesbian. (laughs) What do you guys want to write a paper on? Hate groups. (laughs) Uh, So I read a lot of books on the KKK as a result. I was surprised to come upon entire chapters in history books about the Klan that were dedicated to the state of Indiana specifically, and specifically in the 1920s. When many seats in the Republican led government were held by active clan members and a shockingly large percentage of the population also claimed membership. Quote, in some towns between 40 and 50 percent of the native born white men paid the Klan's $10 membership fee statewide the figure averaged almost 30 percent. Wow. I know it's a lot of fucking people. In 1923, the city of Kokomo, population 30,000, hospitably welcomed a national convention of 100,000 Klansmen and their families. At one point, quote, Klan-endorsed candidates were elected to the governorship, the majority of both houses of the legislature, and almost all of the congressional seats. In the 30s? Uh, In the 20s. 20s. So, yeah, basically the entire state of Indiana was run by the Klan. Unfortunately, it took a heinous crime carried out by the Grand Dragon to topple the reign of terror at the end of the decade. In 1925, Grand Dragon D.C. Stevenson, who lived in Indiana, was charged with the abduction, rape, and second-degree murder of Madge Oberholzer, who was a state education official. Madge met D.C. Stevenson at the governor's inauguration party in 1925. She claimed that Stevenson asked her out on a date several times following the inauguration, but she refused. Eventually, she agreed to meet him for dinner, and he continued to call and pursue her following that meeting. She eventually became his aide during the 1925 session of the Indiana General Assembly and also helped him write the nutrition book, quote, 100 Years of Health. (laughs) I had no idea what it was about. Wow. (laughs) And planned to help him sell it to libraries through her job as the manager of the indiana young people's reading circle i am just imagining that it's some kind of weird like eugenics thing like master Mm -hmm. race bullshit but i don't know i don't know what 100 years of health taught the nation that's strange right madge had been hearing rumors that her job at the reading circle was in jeopardy due to budget cuts So when Stevenson called her on Sunday, March 15th and said he could help save her job if she would meet with him in person, she agreed. She changed into a black velvet dress and Stevenson's bodyguard picked her up and escorted her to Stevenson's nearby mansion. When she arrived, Stevenson and his two bodyguards forced her to drink whiskey in his kitchen until she became sick. Oh. Super hospitable. Yeah. Very professional. Yeah. The men then forced her into Stevenson's car by gunpoint what? and drove. Yeah, and drove to the train station where they forced her into Stevenson's private train to Chicago. Oh my god! This motherfucker had a private train. Wow.
0: Quote, and By bodyguards, we just mean like body, uh, like his, goons, yeah, right. Like, but he's ugh, okay. What? And, no, I just <laughs> I forgot for a minute. But that he's the Grand awful. Dragon of the Ku Klux yeah, Klan? Yeah. yeah. So it's not like this is normal. No. You know, like
1: He's not a governor. senator. No no, 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 no. I mean, he basically ran the whole state, but right. unofficially, I guess, yeah. or not in the uh, political capacity. Right. right. Quote, no sooner had they entered the train's compartment coach than Stevenson grabbed the bottom of her dress and pulled it over her head. Oh. He then grabbed her hands, tore off the rest of her clothes, pushed her into the lower bed, and raped her repeatedly. Ugh. He also bit her all over her body. Oh, no. Yeah. Madge was still intoxicated and unable to resist. An examination of her body later revealed deep bite wounds on her face, neck, breasts, back, legs, ankles, and tongue. No. That's sick fuck. That's yep, awful. She passed out, and when she later awoke, she said, quote, the law will get their hands on you, to which he laughed and responded, quote, I am the law in Indiana. Fuck. The train stopped in Hammond, Indiana, where Madge was forced to pose as Stevenson's wife so they could check into a hotel, where he then forced her to send a telegram to her mother, saying she'd gone to Chicago with him. When Stevenson fell asleep... Madge contemplated shooting herself with his gun, but was too afraid it would dishonor her mother. Instead, she convinced Stevenson to send her with his driver to purchase a black silk hat. After she bought the hat, she convinced the driver to bring her to the drugstore to purchase some rouge, but she instead purchased an entire box of mercuric chloride tablets. She only managed to swallow three tablets due to the injuries he inflicted on her mouth. I know and then she proceeded to vomit blood for the rest of the day. Oh, no. Stevenson said he would only take her to the hospital if she agreed to first go to a nearby chapel and marry him. Mm. Yeah. Eventually, her condition worsened, so Stevenson panicked, and believing she'd soon be dead from her injuries and that he was immune from prosecution regardless, he had his driver bring her back to Indianapolis where he told her parents she'd been in a car accident to explain her numerous injuries. Her parents immediately called a doctor, but there was nothing that could be done for her. Luckily, Madge regained consciousness long enough to give a signed statement to the police, which led to Stevenson's conviction and the rapid decline of the KKK in the state of Indiana. Wow. I know. I'm so
0: sorry for her. And right? And also, like... If there was ever a legacy, like if there's something you could do for the world.
1: I could not agree more. Than your death? Yes. No. If your death led directly to the end of the KKK stronghold on a yeah. fucking entire state, wow. that's I agree that nobody should have to die for that, but no. that is a pretty good conclusion to your death. Yeah. Yeah, the poor thing. So I have another interesting story. I have a good friend in town who... Is ninety two or ninety three, and he spent a lot of years in prison. Um, he's fucking the best, the best old guy, and he told me. I like lo- we we like we're kind of drinking buddies. We like to um, <laughs> have too many glasses of wine or whiskey and get him to tell me all about his life. And one night he told me that he said, "Yeah, me and this Mexican guy," his words were the right-hand man for D.C. Stevenson. <laughs> Holy shit. And I was like, um, th- like, the D.C. Stevenson? Because having done my hippie lesbian book reports in high school, I knew exactly who D.C. Stevenson was. And my friend is black. He's a black man. <laughs> uh-huh. And so I was like, so you're telling me that D.C. Stevenson recruited a black man and a Mexican man to do his bidding while he was in prison? And he was like, that's exactly what I'm telling you. Wow. And I was like, well, D.C. Stevenson was the head of the Ku Klux Klan. And he said, yes, I'm very well aware. (laughs) And he said, and I asked him the same question when he approached me initially. And he said, you think I give a fuck about the color of anybody's skin? You think Mm -hmm. it had anything Mm -hmm. to do with anything other than money and power? You're out of your fucking mind. Mm -hmm. So I have secondhand information that it's all bullshit. Racism Mm -hmm. is (laughs) a device used to control you. So if you're racist... You're being played. Yep, and that's the end. Of, no, I'm just kidding. There's plenty more of the story, but <laughs> not to yeah, get off this, track. I just want to yeah. say
0: that you, as you were doing your report on civil rights <laughs> yes. justices, I was I uh, for my AP history class did the murder of Lizzie Borden's parents. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> I I was born for this job, is what I'm trying to tell you. I approve.
1: <laughs> P-ka-ching. That's my approval stamp. That's amazing, <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. I was too in a fucked up way, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, like I want to. Yeah, I am basically just investigate people who beat and murder other people. Uh-huh. <laughs> <sighs> so back to Martinsville and Carol's awful fate. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned before, Martinsville was considered a sundown town in the 60s, and the racist history of the town had been much debated over the years, but everyone who's spent time there likely has an anecdotal story about the town's bigotry, including my sister and I. (laughs) When we were growing up, there were rumors that if you took the back roads into Martinsville, you'd see homemade signs that read, and word, stay out. I can't confirm these rumors because I was far too scared of Martinsville to even use the gas station there, let alone take a back road in. Mm-hmm. But knowing what I know about the town, I think it was probably true. Yeah. So Carol's father, Paul, described bringing his older son, Larry, who is a star football player, to a game in Martinsville in 1967 and the vitriol that awaited them. Quote, They called Larry all kinds of names, he said. It wasn't just the players, it was the fans too. When he had the ball, there were lots of get that N word or stuff about, quote, that darky. And it wasn't just the kids. Some of those adults was just as bad.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and I think it's important to mention, too, that this area, uh, Martinsville, you know, like where we grew up, it was all white people.
1: All white people. Yeah. Uh, Every last one of them. Yeah. We had two two
0: black kids in our whole entire school. Right. So to have a black player on the team was a big deal you know yeah yeah well and
1: they were coming from rushville they he and he said like growing up in rushville which isn't that far away but mm-hmm. growing up in rushville he said we, it was never a problem you know he was respected in the community nobody ever hassled them and so his, you know i think they were one of i mean i know because we went to church with them but you know there's a much larger yeah. black population in Rushville. so yeah it was the whole team it was like or half black Mm -hmm. and then going into Martinsville and they just got absolutely harassed. Yeah. So there are hundreds of similar stories recorded about the town, including a similar experience players had in a game in the the 2000s. I can't remember if it was football or basketball, but the exact same thing happened. And like the parents were going after each other. It was a team from Bloomington went up to play and they just got like harassed and attacked by the Martinsville players and, and fans. Wow as well as an extremely racist and homophobic letter to the editor posted by the chief of police in 2000. Really? Yeah, I'll read you a couple little excerpts of it. Oh, he was bemoaned the outlawing of organized school prayer because it might upset Haji Hindu or Buddy Buddha. And he followed that up with a homophobic rant, quote, Our country was founded on Christian principles, talk about majority. When I look around, I see no mosque or fat bald guys with bowls in their laps. I see churches. I'm offended when I turn on a television show and without fail, a queer is in the plot, just like it's a natural thing. Oh my god. America put God in the closet and let the queers out. <laughs> When the plane struck the Twin Towers, I never heard anyone utter, Oh, Ellen, I heard a lot of, Oh, my God. It's time the dog started wagging the tail. Let's not be led around by a minority of weirdos and feel-gooders. I, for one, am tired of it. Holy shit, man. Yep. And the mayor of Martinsville said that while his remarks were offensive, he made the statement as a private uh, citizen and not a public official. So he was not reprimanded in any way. Yep. Good. So, back to Carol. Poor Carol. She was a hard worker and eager to impress, so she agreed to travel to Martinsville to sell encyclopedias, feeling safe as she'd be traveling with her three other coworkers, two white men, one of whom was her supervisor, and one black woman. The team arrived in Martinsville at around 4.30 p.m. and chose a friendly-looking, tidy neighborhood to split up and start selling. They agreed to rendezvous at 10 p.m. at a nearby gas station and set off to earn their commissions. That's late. I know, I know. I was like, "This is a sundown town," and you got started at 4:30 p.m., which I yeah. mean makes sense because everyone's getting home from work. But right, still, but to go until 10? No. Around 7:30 p.m., a couple who lived in the neighborhood, Don and Norma Neal, were surprised to hear a knock at their door and find a terrified Carol standing there asking for help. Mm-hmm. She said that some men in a dark sedan had been following her and yelling at her, but she couldn't tell what they'd been saying. She was apologetic, but understandably frightened, and Don set out into the neighborhood to see if he could get to the bottom of the harassment. He reported seeing an unknown light colored sedan nearby and couldn't see the driver or passenger as the headlights were on and obscured his sight. He was able to get close enough to make mental note of the license plate number and said the car drove away as he returned to his house. The Neals called the police who arrived and briefly took Carol's story. They said they were there for like 10 minutes. Like, cool. See ya. Mm. Good luck. After they left, the Neals drove Carol around the neighborhood in an attempt to track down one of her coworkers, but they were unsuccessful. They brought her back to their home and offered to let her stay with them until it was time to rejoin her group, but she refused, embarrassed to have taken up so much of their time already. Mm. Quote, that sounds like her, Paul Davis reflected her father. 33 years later. I always felt like she was a very sweet, sort of naive girl. She had a smile for everybody. She never was in no kind of trouble, never gave me no trouble. Carol didn't like imposing on anybody. Mm. Side note, the Neals were, like, terribly harassed and threatened after this. Oh, terribly. God. Yep. Just under an hour later, a teenage boy discovered her collapsed on the sidewalk 10 blocks away. He ran to a nearby restaurant to call for help, and Carol was still alive when they arrived, but she unfortunately died soon after of blood loss. She had been stabbed once in the chest, and the blow had gone directly into her heart. (sighs) I know. So it will come as a little surprise that the investigation of a murdered black woman in a sundown town was less than stellar. And after Martinsville failed to assign any detectives to the case, the county sheriff and Indiana State Police intervened. But by then it was too late. To the small credit of the Martinsville Police, they don't deserve much, but I'm going to give them a little bit. It wasn't immediately apparent that she'd collapsed because she'd been stabbed. Um, she was wearing a large brown coat, and I think that they couldn't tell. That, you know, that she had been stabbed. They couldn't see the blood or the stab wound until they took the coat off. Quote, Don Custer, the first state police detective to work on the case, told me that when he arrived, there was about 50 people hanging around the crime scene. One of them came up and handed me a pair of glasses and said, I think these are her glasses. Somebody else handed me her notebook. It had also been raining that night, which obviously didn't help matters. Police were able to track down the dark-colored sedan that had followed her that night and determined that teenagers had been driving it. They denied shouting at her and were quickly ruled out as suspects. Unfortunately, Don Neal didn't remember the license plate number of the light-colored sedan accurately, so the owners of that vehicle were never apprehended and no murder weapon was ever found. Carol's father, Paul, said, quote, I felt that because she was a black girl, nobody did anything. I know. I mean, I would not want to get a fucking flat tire in Martinsville, let alone have my daughter be murdered there. No. The town also closed themselves off to journalists. Quote, the town became a clam, an Indianapolis news reporter said. Quote, I got the impression real quickly that there was something funny. I began knocking on doors to see if anyone had seen this gal, and I got nothing from the townspeople. After a while, we learned that nothing was going to happen. And, even if somebody knew something, they were afraid to talk. They really didn't want outsiders coming around. It cooled and cooled until it was futile. So he ended up just making routine calls, and then when you called, you got the standard, the investigation is continuing. You knew if anything was going to happen, it would have to be an anonymous tip. After a while, the thing just petered out. A few suspects were rumored over the years, but didn't seem to amount to anything more than just rumors. The prime suspect was a construction worker who didn't have an alibi for the night of Carol's murder, but he quickly left the state and later died in a shootout in Illinois. Carol's notebook had been found near an auto body shop and the owner of the shop was considered a suspect for a time, and the rumor that a screwdriver had been used to stab Carol also arose as a result. Mm -hmm. After Carol's death, her mother Elizabeth remarried and adopted a son named Philip. So in 1998, Philip claimed to his sister that he'd met people who knew who killed Carol. Quote, they took him to somebody's house in Martinsville, said the sister. They said everybody in Martinsville knows who killed her. He said he was amazed at how much these people knew. But for whatever reason, Philip wouldn't tell us anything more than that. And I don't know why. That's why it's so confusing. I don't know why her brother would get information and then not feel like he should share it. Philip also refused to share anything but the information that the murder weapon could be found in an underground gas tank at the auto body shop near where Carol was found. The gas tank was unearthed, and a chisel was found inside, but the size of the chisel head did not match the size of the puncture to Carol's chest, and so it was ruled out as a potential murder weapon. It's so weird. It's curious that they found anything in there. I that part is so weird to me. I don't know if that was just a red herring. If maybe, you know, they brought the kid out there and were like, yep, there's the murder weapons. In I don't know. It's all yeah. very strange. I don't know. But luckily, in 2000, many, many years later, many years, like even after you and I were long gone, and so like the whole time we knew Paul, he didn't know who had killed Carol. So luckily in 2000, Carol's mother, Elizabeth, received an anonymous call from a woman who revealed the name of Carol's killer, but refused to identify herself saying, quote, I'm sorry, I have a family. I fear for my life. God. She never called back again, but Elizabeth and Paul withdrew from their retirement to hire a private investigator to follow up on the tip. Coincidentally, the Indiana State Police had also reopened the case around the same time and had assigned two detectives into re-looking at the many decades-old homicide. Eventually, Paul, a couple of family members, and their attorney traveled to meet with the detectives and were eventually persuaded that they were intent on finding his daughter's killer and could be trusted, so he shared the information he and a private detective had been able to gather. The team followed up on old suspects and were able to rule out the construction worker, who was thought to have been killed in the shootout in Illinois, that guy, Mm But yeah. was actually living a retired life in Florida. Oh. <laughs> that gives you any sense of how thorough an investigation yeah, was wow. done previously. I'm sure the cops were like, what about that guy? And he's like, no, nah, he left town. Got shot. Oh, okay. got in yeah. a shootout. i go, like, cleared. <laughs> Cross him off. <laughs> yeah. That's how we would be detectives. <laughs> <laughs>
0: His name's not fishy enough.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Finally, on one lucky day... They received an anonymous letter that stated that Carol's killer was a man named Kenneth Clay Richmond. Police tracked down Richmond who is living in a retirement home and had a long and bizarre history as a criminal and someone who is deeply affiliated with white supremacist groups, including the KKK. Oh, wow. Big fucking surprise. I know. I would be very surprised if they were like, and he was a member of the Sierra club. (laughs) So it turns out the letter was written by a woman named Connie, who is the sister-in-law of Richmond's estranged daughter, Shirley. So Connie was sister-in-law with Shirley. Shirley was the daughter of Of the killer. Of the killer, correct. So Shirley had confided to Connie that when she was seven years old, she was traveling through Martinsville with her father and his friend, who were drinking while driving, of course, Mm -hmm. when they spotted Carol walking down the street. On nothing more than a whim, the two men exited the truck and ran toward Carol, who spotted the men and tried to flee. One of them pinned her arms behind her back, while the other stabbed her in the heart with a screwdriver. Jesus Lord. With their seven-year-old in the car. Yeah. Yes. Just driving through Martinsville, drunk. Oh, God. See Carol stab her with a fucking screwdriver. But then this is also just
0: showing how fucked up this town was. Yeah. That she was already terrified. Yes. She had already had been tried pursued to get by help. teenagers. Yes. And then leaves and an hour later is found stabbed by oh. a different group of terrible human beings. Exactly. Like,
1: Correct. Uh, and these guys weren't from uh, Martinsville, they were from like Hancock County, right? you know, they were from right. nearby, but they weren't from Martinsville. And when Try they figured that through. out Yeah, when they figured that out <laughs> So fucked up. The town of Martinsville was like, hooray. Oh, They're not from here. Yes. That was their reaction. That was their first reaction. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, thank God we can finally clear our name. No, no, no. Motherfucker. We've got no, a no, lot no, no, no. to own up to. Yeah. it's only like take a lot more work than just not having the worst crime in wow. the region's history be tied to. Yeah. So they then drove off and left Carol to die on the sidewalk. Shirley remembers her father laughing and saying, Quote, she got what she deserved.
0: Oh my God.
1: Shirley also remembers looking back as they drove away and watching Carol fall into a bush. Oh my God. Yep. Seven. Seven years old. She said that, quote, as they drove back home, Richmond gave her seven dollars. One dollar for each year of her life to keep his daughter quiet about what she had witnessed. Oh my God. Yep. Police knew Shirley's story was true due to the fact that she remembers Carol had been wearing a yellow scarf when she died, which was a detail that had never been released to the public. Oh, chills, chills, chills. Right. So, Richmond denied any involvement with Carol's murder and was declared incompetent for trial and then died two weeks later of bladder cancer. Fuck you. Really? Yes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yes. Wow. Yes.
1: Wow. His accomplice has never been identified. Oh, fuck that guy. Right? I, I just I can't. No. Wow. So in 2014, the Neals proposed a monument in Martinsville in Carol's memory. God bless the Neils, the family that had helped her and received death threats after they tried to help her once people found out that it was them cry i know they proposed a monument in martinsville and carol's memory in 2014 however the plans were scrapped after the county commissioner norman voyles said he quote started getting flack about it oh my god get me the Neils phone number i'm not even joking (laughs) I i am going to martinsville tomorrow yep and also give me Norman Voiles' fucking phone number. Get a spine, Norman. Wow. what She deserves a fucking monument. 100%. So a community park in Rushville, Indiana was rededicated to Jenkins' name as Carol Jenkins' Davis Park on November 1st, 2017. And fucking major jerk-off motion, a memory stone was placed in the garden of Martinsville City Hall. On November 2nd, 2017. Mm-hmm. A memory stone. Mm-hmm. In the okay, garden. I
0: really, I really <laughs> am going to go to Martinsville.
1: I hate that place so much. And so write much. this
0: fucking bullshit. Because that's bullshit.
1: It sucks. It sucks. And that is the story of the fucking terrible, bummer, horrible, tragic, senseless, pointless frustrating murder Uy. of Carol Jenkins and Madge Ober, Oberholzer I'm so sorry wow. Madge I can't say your last name but Madge Oberholzer Oberholzer Oh I know <laughs> Wow man good job Thank you I'm just so glad they found him I'm Me so too. glad I didn't even realize that until like 2 months ago I didn't wow. know that they had found her murderer
0: Yeah I was thinking back as you're talking, I remember, you know, having a conversation with her stepdad and yep. he was always really forthcoming about it. Yeah. You know, like I remember him just being like, yeah, she, you know, she was murdered and in, in Martinsville and she you know, kind of told the story and then kind of just moving on with my life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think I knew then that she, the killer hadn't been
1: caught. I don't know. I don't think that I did either because I remember everybody talked about this story. If you, yeah. if somebody didn't know about Martinsville and, you know, like somebody from Indianapolis, for example, right. from the big city, he would be like, yeah, that's where that a black woman was killed in the 60s who was selling encyclopedias. Like it was just such a common tale and such a common like representation of Martinsville and also the tale that we use to tell people to not stop in Martinsville under any mm-hmm. circumstance unless you're just like a white dude but yeah I'm so, so glad crazy. It's yeah. so crazy so crazy so there you go you guys yeah man wow and I know that they've done a lot to try to repair their image but and I and people do defend it strongly I actually saw a thread recently on Facebook between a friend of a classmate of ours who grew up in Martinsville and moved to fucking the upper east side of New York <laughs> <laughs> and somebody who currently lives in Martinsville, the one being like, "You haven't been here in twenty years, dude. Calm down, you know." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I
0: would say at this point Martinsville is, is tame. It's fine. I've yeah. been there within the last year. It's yeah, you know, has beautiful park. Has this crazy huge park and i was like how have i never been here before it's got these hills and
1: yeah because uh, then i was
0: like oh it's because we never went to martinsville I My mean, two of my best of friends yeah growing up lived right outside of martinsville and we would go in to town like i remember going to the movies there once and yeah maybe to eat here and there but we never never hung out at martinsville
1: Yeah, I I took my ACTs there, and I was like, get me out of here. (laughs) It is this, like, the vibiest place. You know when you go into a town? Yeah, you go into a town, and it's got a bad fucking vibe. That town has got the baddest vibes of all. Yeah. So I don't have any other stories other than, like, actually just stopping for gas if I absolutely had to on the way to Bloomington. But other than that, nope. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) That's right.
0: Wow. Thanks for covering that one. um... (sighs) Yeah. I know you've been putting it off.
1: Yeah. Yep. Um, It's just sad. It's really sad. sad. It's really, really... Just to think of her for no fucking reason. Just being attacked and stabbed and just collapsing into a bush. It just makes me really... Awful. Yep. Yep. Yeah. with a seven-year-old girl watching in the car. I just can't. I didn't... Ugh. Like, it was nothing. You know, know, and the fucking cojones of these men who... We're just like I'm gonna get away with it, you know. DC Stevens and all these people, and growing yes. up, I mean, that was the thing that struck me growing up, and also when Trump was elected, I was like, Well, I went through this but my youth, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, like I it doesn't make it okay, but I'm just I was so used to it just being okay, you know, and I think that's I know that's what this uprising, this civil rights uprising, is about is that it's very much not okay but for decades and decades it's just been so commonplace to the point that men could just stab a black woman in the heart Mm -hmm. with a fucking screwdriver and get away with it for their entire life well not even
0: to do it so callously but they didn't even think about it. like they weren't worried right they just did it they got out of their car Yeah. yeah and stabbed her and
1: got back in and laughed about it they weren't right and multiple communities protected them for their whole life. Because you know people knew. They knew. Of course they did. Yeah. So many people knew. People in in Martinsville knew people in the surrounding towns. You know, everybody knew who did it, and they all protected them. And the police didn't do much, you know. Just, and then the, the two people who tried to help them got fucking death threats and harassed. It's like, Ugh. it's not okay. It's no. really, 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 really not okay. It's not okay to kill somebody. It's not okay to even, like... Not be nice to them. That's no. not fucking okay. You don't right. deserve. You don't deserve more than other people. Nope.
0: No, I'm so glad that she had that kindness, though. At the end, you know. Right. B- right before her awful.
1: Oh my god. Me too. Murder, but
0: like, I'm so sorry for that. The couple that helped her. Yep. I can't imagine the guilt that they lived with. No. You know, after she was actually murdered. Yeah. But. I'm so glad that they did what they try. could and mm-hmm. that not everybody was just
1: out to get her. And I know I was actually struck by that when it was right. Re- when I was reading about it, that, Oh, they helped her. <laughs> it's like, yeah, right. that's a and fucked up reaction that? to have. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's so sad that to be surprised. Yep. Oh, but it's important. It's so
1: important. It's so important. And we have, we're a little bit better, but not that much better. We got to get it's better. Hidden. And I think that, yeah. that I think about that a lot
0: with Trump and how it feels so unfortunate in a lot of ways that this is happening, but it's just uncovering, you know, we're, we're pulling the curtain back and being like, Oh no, it is. People have been sort of quiet, you know, I'd say the last yeah. 10 years or so about their overt racism. racism. Yes, And then you get somebody like Trump that stirs it up and makes you, Realize that it's easy to sit back and be like, "Oh, it's you know that was a thing of the past." It's it fixed. fucking is not a thing yep. of the past, and we need to Address squash it, it once and for mm-hmm. all. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah. I've said for a very long time, like I prefer my racism right out in the open. And yeah. you know, well, there we go. Get I get well, be careful what you wish for because yeah. there's but, four think, years of it just
0: smashed up in your face. Yeah, I think about that a lot about the thing about trump that i now that we're almost out of it you know that he was willing to say all of the things out loud that other people keep quiet and how i worry a lot about as much as i look forward to having biden as our president yeah i worry about this message of like come together and let's get back to normal and right you know no let's not fucking get back to normal let's address it yes we Mm got to address it we can't Yeah, we can't pretend like everything's okay now. And then who's to come later? Who's yep. the next Trump that's quiet and devious and able to...
1: Manipulate. All- yeah. 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 He's Doesn't, not just a total just, fucking buffoon that can't do anything. Right, but just says power. everything
0: right out loud and <laughs> <He> completely <laughs> plays his hand so you can see it.
1: Yes. So,
0: I, I agree. Well, my first action is to go to Martinsville <laughs> to <laughs> figure out how we can get carol her (sighs) monument i know
1: because that is bullshit yep yep yeah i mean and how hard is it for a town to just be like yeah let's just embrace this this is our fucked up gross history but let's honor this woman and try and move forward as a positive place that you know embraces all people No. yeah but then i
0: think about like yesterday just yesterday i was driving down to my house down the road and a truck with a contractor's you know like so and so contracting and his phone number yeah under right above that was a huge decal of a confederate flag that said uh heritage not hate Mm -hmm. just like going Mm -hmm. down the road yeah no big deal (laughs) and like just because you say it's not hate doesn't mean it's not fucking hate Correct. You asshole.
1: Also, geography lesson, dumbass. We're in the North. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is yes, that too. Me. Confederate flags in Indiana are hilarious. Mm. Yeah,
0: but a man <laughs> who's trying to, on one hand... Right, like, grow a business. Right. Yes, he's willing to just straight up, put it out there, and it doesn't hurt his business. That's a fucking problem. Yep. That is a problem. Yep. I mean,
1: I did call for quote not <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, I vehemently disagree with your political stance uh, and your no. fucking social <laughs> perspective. But right. yeah, this and fucking floorboard—this floorboard, this floorboard <laughs> is squeaking like a motherfucker. No, it makes me very uncomfortable to <laughs> joke about. <laughs> I have reached a stage of life that is calling the number on the car when people do a bad thing. Oh and yeah. Here's a really good tip though. This I invented this driving from my house to Sadie's house. The I-65, if you're not familiar, is literally the worst fucking interstate in the on the mm-hmm. planet mm-hmm. because it is two lanes. It's the yeah. only Route from, like, southern Indiana to Chicago, and it's two lanes. Two lanes. So, if, uh, God forbid, a truck, what are they called? Big one. Semi. Thank you. God forbid, a semi truck is in both lanes, you are screwed. Like, you're screwed. So, I figured out that most semi trucks have their phone number of their, like, company on the back of them. Mm-hmm. And so and I waited, you know, I'm not being super reactionary, but I waited and there was, there were two trucks that were blocking us. And I do know too, that truck drivers will do that on purpose, like out mm-hmm. of boredom. Mm-hmm. So I waited, it was like 20 minutes, given them the benefit of the oh, doubt, Yeah, you know, that one of them was going to pull ahead and give us an opportunity to get around yes. them.
0: Right.
1: 20 minutes. And I called the number and I got a operator a dispatcher. And I said, Hey, I've been sitting behind one of your trucks for 20 minutes in the fast lane. He's blocking traffic. It seems intentional. Could you please ask him to stop? she was like, oh, I really appreciate the feedback. And I, 15 seconds later, <laughs> that truck pulled over out of the fast lane. Holy shit, dude. And no.
0: hot amazing.
1: tip. Yes, hot tip. It makes travel so much better. Well, there so. you go. That works.
0: I just always assumed it was like a way to pacify people just to make them feel better. Like, yeah, call this number.
1: If- no, man. Nope to fucking citizen's arrest a uh, total shit. tattletale just tattletale good,
0: good and he will never it's not like he could know which car called on him
1: well exactly I was like three cars back too so good for you yeah I was like he's not going to retaliate there's like a mile and a half of cars behind him pissed off <laughs> you know <laughs> It
0: just slows down more, and you're like, oh, no,
1: no. I'm so, I'm so the kind of person that's like, live your life, have, be, take chances, until you pull some shit like that. And then I'm a full uh-huh. blown citizens arrestor. I mean, oh, so it's line. really fun at my house. You got to get here quick. Yeah. All right. Do <laughs> you want to hear some names? Yes. Name time. <laughs> there's, one, there's one that I found. I don't know how I found this name. I found it on the internet this week. Julie Fart. <laughs> <laughs> what? P-H-A-R-T. Fart. Oh, my God. <laughs> Winner. That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? Um, And another, one of our listeners wrote in and shared the name, Eric McCarrick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she said that nobody ever called him Eric. Everybody, for good reason, called him. It was all his full name, Eric McCarrick. <laughs> I mean, clearly yes. it would be. <laughs> it's the most hey, fun. What's most Eric fun.
0: McCarrick doing tonight? I don't
1: know. Give him a call. Eric <laughs> McCarrick. Oh, God. Good one. So thank you for that. Uh, thank you. Keep sending them in. Okay. One more businesses. Do you have any businesses? I have a I have a long business, so I'll say I that have if, shout outs. but No. Okay, let's do the shout outs and then we'll do. Oh. I'm gonna tell you so you stick around through the shout outs. I'm. We're starting a matchmaker maker service, so All stick right. around. Stick around for some matchmaking. Okay. Um. But in the meantime.
0: All right. We ready to do some shout outs? Yeah.
1: Best day of my life.
0: Thank you so much to our listener
1: Thalassa. No I No last name given. Uh, Thalassa, Thalassa? Thalassa? It's gotta be. How do you say your Thalassa? name? Thalassa. That's yeah, a well, cool great name. Us. It's beautiful. Oh, it's so epic. It's like a, like a, fable. Yeah. Seriously. Beautiful.
0: And another shout out to our friend and old roommate malo malo love you malo and i've got to tell a quick story that our last patreon episode there was a little tiny blurb about a case that happened in france and in that as we recorded i was like oh i don't think we have any french friends pa- yeah, yeah or like patrons <laughs> that are listening they could they can't help us Yep. And i shit you not <laughs> we put that episode out there malo joins Happens to be French, and so she listens to the episode. And I was I texted Courtney, "Oh my God, malo is our patron now, and <laughs> maybe she'll help us with the case." <laughs> and sure shit, she messages oh my us, and she's like, "Hey, I can totally get you a transcript of this whole big show that was on this case, and blah blah blah." And did
1: within like two
0: hours. Yes, too. yeah, like all the details, the names, all the things that I had a hard time finding because I'm not bilingual. Yes. So, thank you, Malo, for She's, being, to, for being amazing.
1: Yeah. And Malo lived with Sadie and I in the Portland punk rock flop house that I've referenced multiple times. Yep. Magic House, and which is a segue. Do we have any more shoutouts? Because I'm going to use that as a no. segue. So, okay. Two two parts to this matchmaking. One is a just a cool, interesting story that leads into our first candidate. For to make a match (laughs) for they will chill for they will (laughs) chill so Sadie came I think somebody mentioned it on Twitter and Sadie somewhere yes but Sadie was like yeah there should be a true crime dating app because duh because I think we talked about that on the show we did yes yeah so true crime people are the best it's a very specific type of person and they're the best type of person. And we were messaging with one of our listeners who's just, you know, like alone in the pandemic and talking about what an experience that has been and terrible turns out terrible. Right. Um, and I, and I had been just thinking for the couple days previous that we should just try, let's just try it. Social experiment. Let's just put a person out there on our podcast. And if you're single and this sounds like somebody you want to date, message us and we'll hook you guys up <laughs> right oh my god i will be so oh excited my god if
0: we match make i will like successful and then we can do our wedding oh officiating they don't that get makes- a choice so listen guys heads up <laughs> if you find somebody through our podcast and you decide to get married to each other we have to officiate the wedding it's just you don't speak get a for say. yourself I don't want to do it, but <laughs> yes, you do. Con- yes, you do. It's a
1: ju- but in my is a joke. Yes, but yes. for real, no. Fuck that. No, you do. You want to? <laughs> I'll attend your wedding. I just want to party at your wedding, a- unless it's sober, which I support. But um, anyway, <laughs> anyway yeah. Really so, want to. <laughs> so our first candidate, his name is Jonathan. He's a wonderful supporter, wonderful listener, lovely, lovely individual, um, and we've had all these weird little connections over time. Like he posted a book by Io Tillett Wright, who is a kind of influencer and activist and also happens to be engaged slash married. I don't know what their status is to a friend of mine from Portland. And He he did a book of 10,000 queer people across America and then published the book recently. Jonathan purchased it, you know, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So he's always posting things. And I'm like, oh my God, I know that person or whatever. And recently posted a picture of his new bicycle and tagged our old neighbor who lived right around the corner from the punk flop house <laughs> who at the time that we lived there had started was you know in the process of building this bicycle brand called vanilla bikes which fast forward now what 10 12 years um has become this like massive international sensation as far as i could I tell based on that. yeah huge And so Jonathan is a collector of Sasha, is his name of Sasha's bikes. So here's the other really fucking weird story. This is get out your red string because it's a little bit complicated, but please bear with me because I guarantee it's worth it. This is such a fucking fascinating, cool, small world story. So Sadie and I have a best friend named Clint and... Clint lived in the flap house with us, also with Malo. It was like a five bedroom house. <laughs> Clint lived in the flop house. We I like extracted him from the South and made him move to Portland and live with us because we we're like brother and sisters. And he met his now husband who has a son with and they live in New Orleans, but he met his husband in Portland and brought him to our house for you know like early early on in their dating and we called the house the magic house because it was just full of all kinds of random shit like you know 15 20 years worth of people living in this house had just people just left their stuff there and you could go into the basement and you could find just about anything like a stack of Whitney Houston VHS tapes for example <laughs> i mean a crimper you name it so Clint was showing Lee around the house and they were in the basement and they found a bag of postcards so they're looking at the postcards And the postcards were from a woman named... I'm pretty sure her name is Karen. And Karen had dated this man named Frank who lived in the house when I moved in and who moved out soon after I moved in. But Frank lived in the house for like 12 years. So these postcards were from Karen to Frank. um, And she was traveling around the East Coast, primarily in like New York City. And they had started a relationship right before she left. And so there were all these love letters back to Frank. Hmm. So, Lee... Clint's husband, had met Karen in New York City while she was on that trip. What? Have you heard, not heard the story? No. So as Karen's sending these letters to Frank, who lives in the house that Clint and I are going to move into down the road 10 years, Lee meets Karen randomly. Lee was, he's this like fabulous drag queen performer, fucking the freest spirit of all spirits. They meet in New York City, like, at a Western Union or a fucking payphone. I know there was a Western Union. I know there's a payphone. They meet each other briefly, part ways, run into each other again, like, days later. And Karen's, like, they're both traveling, just, like, vagabond style. And Karen's, like, I love it out here, but I really want to go home. I miss this guy, Frank, that I'm dating. I'm in love with him. I want to go home. And Lee's, like, well, I've never been to Portland, Maybe I'll join you. So, Karen moves back to Portland. Lee follows her. <laughs> Meets Clint, ten years later, In the, who lives in the house where wow. Frank had lived, where Karen was sending the postcards to. Holy shit. How can have you, I never heard this story? Can you believe that shit? Isn't that the coolest, coolest story? So then, Karen marries Sasha... <laughs> you remember oh her? Yes. Karen. That's who I'm referring to. The two little punk rock babies. Holy Karen Mary Sasha. Shit. And, Charlie, and they're our the neighbors in Charlie the Dog that our wow. dog's fence fought every day. Yep. Wow. <laughs> I, know. I know. So she probably met Sasha from dating Frank. Frank. Yeah. Who lived next Holy door. Holy shit, dude. I know. I know. That's incredible. I know. I love small world stuff. So thank you if you're still listening because I know that's a lot. But isn't that it's just so fascinating. It's just it's so magical. Yeah. So <laughs> all of those things being said, we want to promote Jonathan as a potential partner, friend, pen pal, whatever whatever that looks like to you. Um he sent us a little blurb about him, so I'm gonna read that. And if he sounds like somebody you want to get to know, send us an email, they will kill podcast at gmail.com and we'll make it happen
0: yes
1: so he says i'm 41 only child wildly curious about everything but with a bit of a lead foot about life full throttle tends to be an adjective used to describe me intense but also incredibly silly and gentle and sweet when my guard is down hell i don't know i have a corgi i love animals and my mom I'm an ally for POC, LGBTQ folks, and I wish I knew how to better use my Caucasian male privilege to make life better for people aside from myself. I have a degree in biological anthropology, and I'm a forensic fanatic. I like tattoos, coffee, and snowboarding. I'm addicted to bicycles, as you know. So, he's also good looking. I know yes. that not to be shallow, but it matters-ish. Yep, heart of gold. Yeah, really, really a lovely, lovely individual. So, come on, who needs a par- who needs a sweetie or a pen pal? Let us yeah. know. Yep, because it's a lonely time right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lonely time, and also, I just really want to. I want some soulmates to find each other through uh, us and God. and also the Me weird meandering love- magical world that we live in. I okay we're gonna have
0: to we're gonna have to get this they will chill website going i love nothing more than awkward first dates great first dates terrible first dates break all in public yes yes i want to be a matchmaker yeah let's do it
1: right Please. Oh, and who else wants one? Who else needs a match? That's a big, big thing. Yes. Instagram us, email us, just message us and let us know if you need a match. If you're lonely yeah. or you want friends or you want to connect with more people, Yep. let us know. Do you want to start a website called They Will Chill
0: and help us connect people?
1: Yeah. I don't know what you do once you get to They Will Chill, but... You put your profile up and you meet people. Oh. Like,
0: duh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dating website for matchmaking
1: <laughs> I love it all right yeah. let's that's... make it happen okay anything Any... else whoo I think that's enough right oh uh we're
0: taking Christmas week off oh yes we are taking Christmas week off
1: sorry we'll... about your luck oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> we're we gonna take a little break just one week yep uh, we'll still do our Patreon episode
1: yep and then we'll be we'll be back at you before the new year
0: Fuck yeah. Or, yeah, right before the new year. I don't know. Yeah, however the, the
1: numbers and dates work. We all know that's not my strong suit. Yeah, so take a deep breath. It'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know, even though like, I rely very heavily on podcasts for the holidays because I have to travel between all of Laura's families and our families and everything else. And Sorry that you're just going to mm-hmm. have to stay home because COVID because there's no podcast, right. one podcast to listen to. So.
0: That's right. We're just doing the right thing by keeping you home because yep. you can't listen to us on your road trip. <laughs>
1: it's for society. It's for your health. Uh, <laughs> and But in the meantime, if you miss us for the one day that we're not available to you, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at They Will Kill. You can go to our website, theywillkill.com. And you can email us, theywillkillpodcast at gmail.com rave
0: reviews subscribe
1: please yeah we got some good ones lately
0: yes i know we said there was a drought and you guys made it rain yes thank you
1: thank you make it some more some more rains
0: yes we needed a tsunami
1: (laughs) deluge uh thank you to aj bergantz for our music thank you so much and remember oh i think i wrote something down did i i meant to let's see if i did it (laughs) okay I don't know what this has to do with anything, but Sadie and I worked in a group home in college, and we had one individual that we worked with who just was the love of my heart, but he had made bad, poor choices when it came to nutrition, and so we're trying to teach him about healthy choices, making healthy choices. And (laughs) one time we were like, hey, buddy, what do you want for your snack? And he was like, "Mm, something that I like, like healthy ribs or... Healthy chips or (laughs) healthy ice cream sandwiches, which is so adorable and something that Sadie and all of our friends and I do regularly now. What do you want for dinner? I want some healthy burrito. You know, I
0: just I just asked Ryan like, "No shit," two days ago. Would you need anything at the store? I probably should. I probably need some healthy chips. Healthy (laughs) chips, (laughs) exactly.
1: So, I. I was reading, I was looking at some, like, annoying influencer friend of mine recently, and he's like, join us for this chic webinar. Oh, my like, God. <laughs> putting chic in front of webinar is like putting healthy in front of chips. Yeah, Just- right? <laughs> chic. Web- no, no, bro. No, not chic. Not chic at all. <laughs> so, do or don't put words like that together i mean you shouldn't because it's misleading it doesn't yeah, no, I mean, work you but you should, you should also because it. it's hilarious yeah, it's chic good. webinar healthy Try ribs healthy, healthy ice cream sandwiches <laughs> healthy, healthy <laughs> chips <laughs> oh, we love you guys we love you guys thanks for listening goodbye goodbye, goodbye. goodbye. goodbye.